Welcome to Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy Autry. And I'm Chuck Mead. And today in the studio, we have a very special guest, and her name is Betsy Dean. She doesn't go by Elizabeth, right? <laughs> That's Betsy correct. Dean. Betsy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. School's going well today. Wonderful. So if you do not know this, Betsy Dean is a member of our church. Her husband's pretty awesome. I love that, <laughs> Albert. Don't you, Jeremy? He's pretty great. And uh, so they've been at our church. How long have you been at Central? Since 2004. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's 19 years, Chuck. That's that's a lot. For those of you who are math um, challenged. That, that's me. So right now you uh, lead Brookside Christian Academy, um, but that is a more recent um, part of your educational journey, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So tell us a little bit how you got started off in education. So I went back to school when our family moved to North Carolina in 2004 and graduated with an education degree from Campbell University. My kids were still in public school, and I worked in Harnett County Schools starting in 2007. Mm -hmm. Worked in Wake County Schools um, a short time. Um, And it was while I was in Wake County Schools, a friend of mine, Courtney Gordon, and I just started noticing and talking about um, the trajectory of public schools and um, the burden that teachers are often under and uh, just kind of a culture mm-hmm. and um, we had a heart for teachers primarily obviously we have a heart for students um, but we wanted to do something to help teachers and so um, we began a, a consulting and um, professional development um, team and we did that for a couple of years and that was successful for a while and then it seemed like God was closing doors And um, slowly but surely, we were given the idea of um, opening a school. Mm -hmm. So we started slowly um, supporting homeschool families and um, tutoring public and other private school students and just gradually um, doing our research. And so finally, um, the fall of 2020 was when we first opened our doors. And, you know, our first school year was Mm -hmm. that fall right in the middle of COVID. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was crazy times. Um, but looking back, obviously, you, you know it was um, a ripe environment for private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really um, has, uh, we were very successful early on because oh, yeah. of that. Um, and so our enrollment has just skyrocketed. We are currently um, renovating a, a large facility with plans to add on enough um, classrooms for upwards of 400 kids. Wow. Yeah. That's 400 kids. Yeah. 400 kids in three years. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so your what is your and Courtney's official titles at Brookside? Um, we are administrators. Um, we are a nonprofit, you know, mm-hmm. so we are president of the board and mm-hmm. all those um, other titles. It, it honestly depends on what day it is and um, um, who's asking. Yes. Um, Courtney is over our upper school, so she mm-hmm. handles everything with our grades 6 through 12. We do. We are K-12. A lot mm-hmm. of people ask us that. Um, I am over our lower school, so that's grades K to 5. Um, and then we also have Camden Keene, who manages um, our kindergarten and first graders because we're on three different campuses. Wow. And somebody yeah. has to manage kindergartners. Yes. Yes. Full-time job. So right now you're at three different campuses, and mm-hmm. then when you move to your new facility, will that be... 
Um, what grades will that include? That will initially be just two five, mm. um, and then the new construction will house K and one. So that puts us K five at the new facility. And as we continue to fundraise, we hope it's not long after that the upper school can um, be built and move over. Mm. It was crazy, Betsy. In my, you know, we bring in a new grade every year. And so this new sixth grade class in our first week, just last month, I'm asking them where you're going to school. Mm -hmm. And usually it's the public school. That's the biggest group going to Midway, which is our local uh, middle and high school. And, And usually we'll have a couple a handful of homeschoolers and a handful of Christian school. Well, our predominant majority is Brookside Christian hmm. Academy students. Wow. That That's is exciting. the majority <laughs> school in our new That's sixth crazy. grade class. So it's like pretty amazing to see just in three years how much this has become um, really um, just a big influential school in our area. And um, we're excited for you and for the future. And I know right now it's having to be really flexible <laughs> with everything. But you employ how many teachers? We have 44 staff members, and I think 25-ish of them are classroom teachers. Okay. So you oversee not just, obviously, the students, but teachers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know um, the relationship with between parents and teachers can be a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. I, I was went to a Christian school, the same one my entire life. And my parents took more of the position because our teachers went to church with us of... It doesn't matter what you say. Whatever the teachers say <laughs> is what we're going to go with. Yeah. I don't think that's the predominant view these days. Not typically. No. <laughs> so I think that was unique. So I think that relationship between teachers and parents can sometimes be confusing. Um, there can be some um, almost pitting to a side mm-hmm. against each other. But I think we want to get to a point of understanding. Mm -hmm. So I guess our main question for you, Betsy, is what are some things that every um, educator, so teacher, principal, administrator in education, what do you think every educator wishes that parents knew? If they could sit down over a cup of coffee, have that conversation. We we asked Betsy, which she uh, covered all this in the introduction, but we asked her to address this specifically because of um, the expertise that she brings to it and the experience. Um, Betsy's a mother of now adult children, Mm -hmm. uh, so she's been on that side of things. She was a a public school educator in a typical school and in a magnet school. Mm -hmm. Is that right? That's right. Magnet school. Then um, now she's in a private school setting, so she can speak to this from a, a range of perspectives. That's valuable. Yeah. So what what would you say um, would be some things every educator wishes parents knew? (laughs) Well, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. This is something that every teacher wishes they had the opportunity um, to speak to. And it's your job to speak for every teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I want to say teaching is like every other profession. Um, most teachers are fabulous and wonderful. Um, but if I, if anybody says there are no bad teachers, that that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. So as I speak, I'm speaking for all good teachers out there. Okay. Um, so I want parents to know that teachers are human. And so I am speaking for all those who really care about their students and work very hard every single day. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say, I think, is kind of what you alluded to, is that 
teachers and parents are on the same side, and that is the side of the student. Teachers want their children to succeed. Um, there's no no benefit, no joy, no motivation, no reason um, why a teacher um, would not want every student in her class to do well. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I would say for parents, please assume the best. Um, And so if there's a concern or an issue or a misunderstanding, um, if your child comes home and says something uh, negative about the day, um, you know, dig into a little bit. Um, Don't focus on the negative Often, um, when a kid comes home and parent says, how was school? And the kid says, good. Then that's the end of their conversation. But if the kid comes home and says, it was bad, then all of a sudden there's a 20-minute conversation all the way home and the mm-hmm. child gets all this attention around this negative situation that you're getting, you know, like a seven-year-old's perspective mm-hmm. on it. So assume the best. And if you think there's something to it, contact the teacher and, and dig deeper with her to find out, you know, the, uh, the other perspective of what, of what happened. And communicate to the person who can make a change or affect a, a solution. Um, so if it's a, something in the classroom, talk to the teacher. Mm. If it's a procedural or a policy, talk to the administrator. But always try to go to the, to the heart of the matter and to the adult who can do something about it, yeah. you know? There's a hierarchy just like everywhere else. I'm reminded of something. Katie's grandfather was a Christian school principal for years, and he would tell me in his meeting with parents, he would say, um, let's make a deal. I won't believe, initially believe, everything your kid says about you if you don't believe every single thing that your kid <laughs> says about us. Yeah. Because how many times have we heard stories of kids saying, you know, sharing something, and not that we don't take um, serious situ- yeah. like situations seriously, but believe everything a kid says yeah. and just automatically take every word they say and like, oh man, these this kid's parents are horrible. <laughs> but when you get to the bottom of it, they're just mad that they got their phone taken away. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's a good. Yeah, a we good hear all kinds of stuff. Mm. So yeah. assume the best. Assume the best. <laughs> That's good. You know, it's a biblical concept. First um, Corinthians. In that love passage, it says, uh, charity believeth all things. That doesn't mean that we believe every lie that's said, mm-hmm. but that belie- that means that we give the benefit of the doubt. That means that we assume the best whenever we can. Uh, so as Christians, it's our job to pass that or to use that when we're dealing with our kids' teachers and to teach our kids to use that same principle. That's good. Yeah. The only other thing I thought of around that is avoid speaking negatively in front of your child about the teacher or about the school. Your attitude about school um, is so influential to your children. Um, They are going to view the school, the teacher, the same way that you do. And so if you speak negatively about it, um, then that's how they're going to feel. I thought about that. The way you as the parent treat school is how a child is going to treat their future job. Mm. So it's not important to be on time. If it's not important to obey the authority figure, if it's not important to work diligently, um, then all of those things, um, trill down is not the right word, but all of those things are projected forward onto their future, like their work ethic. Um, They're... School is their job. You know, for a 10-year-old, that is your job. And um, as parents, we're teaching a lot when we are teaching our kids how to deal with 
um, because like you said, school's a lot like work, you know, the work environment that they're going to go into after they graduate and finish school. Um, so we're teaching them how to deal with authority, like you said, and conflict. And like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. As a parent, you're saying, okay, when there's somebody over you in authority that you're struggling to communicate with mm-hmm. or get along with, or that's hurt you in some way, here's how you deal with that. And I'm here to walk with you through this right now, but the day's coming when you're an adult and you've got to walk through this on your own. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a parent, we've got to be conscious of the fact that we're, we're training and if we just march in there and bow up and and squelch this thing because we have authority or whatever, um, our kid's not going to be in that same boat later. Yeah. So there's value in talking that through with them um, because we're training them. So if it makes a lot of sense. It does, and and I mean it's true for all of life. If our we as parents have a negative view of church, we're very vocal about things we disagree with. And ha- approach it with negativity. Our kids are just going to follow right yeah. along with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've just—that's just a good word for parents to be cautious about the open communication. I remember just talking with my parents, and my parents were very careful about this, especially because our our Christian school was connected to our church. And I know talking to my mom now, and she's like, "Oh yeah, me and your dad would have conversations about things we disagreed with, but it was always private. It was saving yeah. it because we." didn't want that to be the negative view because how quickly <laughs> right kids just latch on to that as a parent that this is your you know how, however big the situation is this is this much time out of your life mm-hmm. you know what i mean dealing with that teacher but your kid that's his whole day yeah you know and uh so you create that that negative relationship there and then send your kid off to live in it mm. Man, that's good. That's deep, man. Yeah. Good job, Jeremy. <laughs> Great. What else would you say, Betsy? Um, kind of along those that same vein, um, teachers do not expect your child to be perfect. We know they're not perfect, and we don't expect them to. We, probably more so in public school, but private, still true, too. We've seen all sorts of behaviors, mm-hmm. um, all manner of issues, uh, academic disabilities, um, behavioral concerns. Like, you're not going to shock us. We have seen all sorts of things. And we love your kid anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, some, some students are more difficult to deal with on a daily basis. We have to be more creative about how to reach them, whether it's behavioral or academic. Um, but that's what great teachers do. They strive to Mm -hmm. reach those kids. Um, on the other hand, remember that every other kid in that classroom is not perfect either. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like we were saying earlier, y- you have to, to guide kids on how to get along with others, build relationships, work in a group, um, stand in a straight line and walk down the hall, all kinds of yeah. stuff. Um, so nobody in that room is perfect, and um, your kid is going to fail. Um, whether it's a math test or they lie or steal and get caught, you know, um, your kid is, is um, they're going to do the wrong thing. They're going to make a bad choice. So don't be embarrassed when they mess up um, and don't pressure them to be perfect. That's a lot. Mm. That's an unrealistic unreal, expectation. But then also don't rescue them by making excuses or avoiding consequences when they do mess up. Hmm. Um, That's part of the learning journey. Um, You know, if you want your child to make an A on a spelling test, 
and you, they're old enough, you give them the option of how much or how to study, they make a choice, um, and then they end up failing their spelling test, mm -hmm. well, there you go. Maybe we should study differently next week or what have you. You know, that's mm -hmm. just a very simple academic um, example, but it, help, it happens all day, every day, and we all take pride in our children and yeah. their accomplishments, and we're all embarrassed when they fail, but they all do. And yeah. so don't be so quick to rescue them. I, I feel like we're creating very fragile children um, who can't handle disappointment or failure, but good teachers help them to see, hey, that's what we do, and now what do we need to do better the next time, and you're going to be fine, and mm. let's go outside and play, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I love uh, the concept that you're bringing out. This, this teacher, um, hypothetically, isn't just here to teach these kids math or science or reading or there's a lot that we're learning as we're learning those other things, mm -hmm. um, how to prepare, how to deal with failure, how to deal with success, how to deal with peers. We wouldn't need teachers if we didn't need to learn. So right. nobody expects uh, these kids to have it all together, except for maybe me as the parent. Yeah. <laughs> I want my kid to have it all together. I want to keep all the um, all the warts and the, the mistakes hidden. We'll, we'll take care of those at home. But... You know, if you've enrolled your kid in a school, you're partnering with those adults, mm -hmm. those educators in the school to educate this whole child. So embrace that and and work together with those professionals uh, to accomplish that instead of thinking you'll hide it and we'll just take care of that at right. home maybe. And I think it's a parent's pride too. If our mm -hmm. kid messes up or screws up, we as parents feel like, well, this is my fault and it reflects poorly on me. And so we're quick to defend because we view our kids' failings and our kids' failings being pointed out as a maybe a personal attack. It's easy to fall into that where we're quick to defend because it's almost like you're pointing out these flaws, which all of our kids are flawed. Then yeah we have to personally defend them when things could be pointed out in our kids, not as a personal attack on us, but hey, these are some things they need to work on and we yeah. need to understand that. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I'm remembering two statements that I heard. One as an adult, one as a kid. Um, the first one was when I was 16 years old. Um, <clears throat> so I was horrible. I was the worst possible student in the world mm -hmm. uh, that's I'm maybe not the worst but I was definitely on the bad end of the spectrum and I can remember um, overhearing a phone call with my mom and uh, I don't even know what teacher it was now maybe English teacher whatever hey uh, Jeremy could do this work Jeremy could have an A in my class but uh, he's failing and I remember uh, my mom just breaking down mm -hmm. and saying what am I supposed to do He's 16 years old, and he's six feet tall, and I'm a single mother, and how am I supposed to make him do his homework, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, I don't know that uh, that was resolved. <laughs> Soon after that, I dropped yeah. out of high school and mm -hmm. had to go, go get a GED. Um, but I just remember how vulnerable my mother was in that moment. And uh, looking back, I w I'm impressed with that. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't blaming that teacher she wasn't saying what are you talking about my kid's perfect yeah. which mm -hmm. I had pushed her into a corner where she had to admit maybe to herself and everybody else that I wasn't perfect but uh, I just think that was a healthy position to be in I don't know what to do it, and uh, 
maybe if, if we had started that earlier, which I'm not picking on my mom, there was a lot going on in my earlier uh, elementary age years. But um, just that, that stance for a parent to be speaking to someone who's on your team educating your children. Hey, I don't know how to handle this. Let's talk through this. You give me advice. Let's work mm-hmm. together as a team for the good of my kid who could be having an A in your class, but it's currently failing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I don't remember where I heard this, and uh, I'm just maybe would like for you to tell me if it's true or not, uh, Betsy. But uh, I heard that, and I might have heard it from you, so if I did, <laughs> it's definitely true. Uh, I heard that kids who do the best in school, especially elementary school, are the kids whose parents are engaged. Yeah, for sure. So that doesn't mean the kid whose parents comes in slamming their fist on the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're not engaged in conflict with the teacher. They're engaged in their kid's education in mm-hmm. partnership with the teacher. Mm. Certainly. Open communication, um, understanding of assignments and schedules and supportive on the same team with the teacher like we've been talking about um, so that the child knows um, you know this behavior is not gonna is not okay at home and it's not okay at school and just as sure as I try it you know my parents and the teacher are going to be talking to each other hmm. um, you know and so it just is a, a, a better level of accountability for the right. student. It's and the parents that just that haven't taken their hands off the wheel of their education, even though other people are helping them teach their kids, they're still involved in what their kids are learning right. and how they're intaking information, what they're remembering, what they're learning. Which we've talked about this mm-hmm. in our education episodes previously, but that's the deal. We as parents, in no realm do we get to take our hands off the wheel and mm-hmm. say, okay, I've, I've put my kid here. Now this person will handle their education and training in that area. That doesn't work at uh, in sports. We can't just leave our kids with the coach and think that they're going to be a great ball player or a great teammate or learn how to win and lose with grace. We can't just drop them off at church and expect them to become spiritual giants mm-hmm. who love Jesus and impact the world for the kingdom without our involvement. We can't just drop them off at school and expect them to become great learners and well-educated if we're not also engaged in that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. I would say we talked about um, student having a choice about how much to study as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in general not to give students too many choices just in a variety of situations. Um, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of um it's almost anxiety-causing um, to have to, to make all these decisions for themselves about activities, meals, clothes, like just the gamut. Um, we are asking seven-year-olds, um, or they are demanding to make these decisions, but again, um, parents are in charge. Mm. So um, limiting the amount of choices or the, the things that they are allowed to decide for themselves Um we we do family interviews, and um, often parents communicate that they're going to let the child make the decision about um, if they're going to attend a private school or continue at public or what have mm-hmm. you. And so, um, you know, that's that's a lot of pressure for yeah. for a, a child. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, Man, yeah. That, all it took for me if I got that choice, <laughs> right? Just no one doubt. bad running with the teacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me peace out. There. 
we as parents have to be conscious of the fact that our kids aren't ready for every yeah. decision. They can't make every they won't they don't have the capacity to make the appropriate choice in some situations and even if they do some of that like you said would be anxiety inducing there's a process hey mm-hmm. you're this age it's appropriate for you to make these decisions but not these decisions um so there's a real danger in giving us too giving a kid too much uh authority and autonomy mm-hmm. too early by the same token there's a danger in exerting too much control with mm-hmm. an older kid, if we're talking about a junior or a senior, they should be choosing their electives, considering where they're going to go to college. Mm-hmm. They should be planning their own schedule because if not, then you're going to send yeah. them off to college <laughs> and with no tools. Yeah, yeah. and, and you, what you're going to go with them and plan their their day at school mm-hmm. and and map out all their classes. So, uh, but to think of, uh, I'm baffled to think of a seven year old right <laughs> getting to go home and decide. If they're going to go to private school, public school, whatever, you know, yeah. this big, yeah. huge decision, um, which we see this, Chuck, that uh, kids are deciding whether or not they're coming back to church on Sunday. Right. right? So it's a, it's a similar. Yeah, I've heard you guys talk about it on other episodes about different topics. So it's, that's just sort of a, I don't know, a general hmm. shift um, that, that I see, too, at school. Yeah, that's scary. It's, and I wonder if, if our thinking as parents are like, well, it's their life, or if we're just like, well, I don't know what the right decision is. Right. You just pick. I think it is some of that, just the unknown. Parents are in turmoil when they come to us often, mm-hmm. and so it is a huge decision. And if they're not believers, they don't have anyone else hired to ask. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they don't want to fight the battle. Yeah, The kid is very outspoken about what they want to do, um, and the parents are just like, all right. Yeah, and they don't want to. <laughs> There's also a danger in ignoring it. Ignoring mm-hmm. your kids' preferences mm-hmm. and their desires, yeah. you know, and just coming in and, and acting like that doesn't matter. Um, but you can address it without mm-hmm. right. giving into it. But we're drawing the line. As parents, we're going to draw the line some places. Not every parent, but most parents are going to be like, no, you're not going to be out all night doing whatever you want. So we'll draw the line. No, you got to be in your room here. Yeah, yeah. So we've just got to – It's we will draw the line, but sometimes we just – limit where we draw right. the line. The, the areas we're comfortable making the decisions in. Right. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. That's good. Last thing I would say about about the student themselves is teach them teach the children to keep a commitment and to be honest. Um, we see this a lot with assignments um, and, and just the workload of school. Um, and I think we've already touched on this. Don't make excuses for them when, mm-hmm. when they fail or, you know, when they're older and they, they choose not to finish an assignment or blow off a, a reading passage or what have you mm-hmm. um, that, you know, let them deal with those consequences. I taught third grade for a long time, and um, I remember having a parent-teacher conference. Um, a child stole something, mm-hmm. um, and the parents were just mortified, and they were, um, it was just terrible. It was terrible. And um, I had to, I had to kind of console them, like, third grade that's where you want them to mess up. Right. You know, like, that kid stole a fancy pencil. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, the, the point is that you 
teach them all the reasons why that was a bad choice. You let them suffer the terrible consequences of stealing a pencil. You know, right. um, you want them to make this mistake now, mm-hmm. not when they're sixteen or right. twenty-five. You right. know, and, and there's much more at stake. Mm-hmm. You know, so let them mess up, let them suffer the consequences, and so hopefully. That kid will never steal anything else again because it was such a terrible ordeal in third grade. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing with assignments. If I get a bad grade in third grade, that doesn't go yeah, on my cares? college transcripts. Right. You know, like, yeah. let's learn these things early instead of protecting our kids from mm-hmm. them and letting them learn it when there's there's more, more on the line. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question that kind of goes back to what you said about letting your kids make these all these choices because I see this more and more as a trend in schools today of at a very young age before they even get to high school they need to have a plan for what do you want to do when you graduate yeah. and going choose to college? a career <laughs> path yeah choose a career path grade. and and so they take classes and they're preparing and then they get and I've seen this and they get into college and they realize oh I hate this career <laughs> that I chose in eighth grade, um, but I'm stuck. What do you feel as far as the, as far as guiding students in what they want to do with their life at such a young age? What are the pros cons of that? Um, I I used to be on the bandwagon of you know preparing third graders for their career. Um, that used to be a big push in public school, and I was part of that. And I was you know, showcasing different careers and profiles and, um, you know, trying to help students think about what they want to do with their life. And I later felt very convicted about that. Again, the pressure that we were putting on very young students. One of my adult children went to college for two years and realized this is a waste of time Mm -hmm. and money. Um, You know, he went in there to do something that was going to produce a huge income and Mm -hmm. life was going to be great. But halfway through it, he realized this this is dumb. This is not for me. Um, So he quit college Mm -hmm. and he got a job. Now he makes three times as much as I do. And he's 25 years old. so and he's a pretty cool guy. He's pretty great. Atta boy, Corey. Yeah. Atta boy. You know, so one path is not right for everyone, obviously. Um, at our school, we try to focus more on how can God use you? What are your gifts and talents? And you can use those as a stay-at-home parent, or you can use those as president of the United States mm-hmm. in anywhere in between. Um, it doesn't matter. And you're going to use those skills and talents in every capacity you're going to have influence over others you know so let's figure out um who you are in christ and how to how to best serve him and then whatever that career path becomes great you already know yourself well enough to know um how you're going to do it that um another piece to that is we used to make it sound like if you choose the right career that's going to be fulfilling, and that's what's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And so many 20-something-year-olds are just desperate and depressed, and I hate, that's where the word adulting came from. Like, mm-hmm. it's terrible. Um, and that's because we taught them that when the day after they graduate from college, it's going to be bliss, yeah. and there's going to be no problems, and you're going to make a million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and it's going to be great. Or you're going to be a teacher, you're not going to make a million dollars a year, but you're going to be investing into the lives of children and making mm-hmm. a difference. Well, yeah, but it's still a job. You you're know? also going like, to get screamed at by yeah. parents. Every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> or students. Yeah, yeah. You know, so 
a career is not the pinnacle of your life. Um, so it is good. something we all have to do. Um, you take a job until you find a career. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe those are the same thing. Maybe they're not. Um, is, so is would that be what you would say? So imagine we're talking to a parent, their kids in a whatever the school situation is, but that's the pressure they're hearing, um, whether explicitly or implied. Mm-hmm. Hey, you need to figure this out at this young age, and and this is going to fulfill you. Uh, I'm a Christian parent, and this is what my kid's going through. What what's the advice to me? That how do I what do I say to my kid? How do I speak to my kid about that, knowing that they still have to exist in that environment? I would say keep your options open. Explore a variety of of electives and different um, courses that are available to them at school. Help them to be like self reflective, um, to think about um, what they're good at and their their talents. Um, we're talking about Christian families, so obviously pray that it, and this is a long-term answer, not a short-term answer, um, that it will just be revealed to them, um, whatever that path is. If you had told me seven years ago that I would be leading a private school, I would say you're crazy. Hmm. So don't don't let students or their influencers um, limit and and act like it's a very narrow path, um, whatever you choose, that it's it's all over the place. It's a roller coaster. And so at some point, typically uh, mid to late high school, if you, you do need to decide if you're going to go to a typical college because there are courses you need yeah. to take and be prepared for. Um, and there's, but even beyond that, there's lots of different paths, you know, like community college and, you know, all those different choices. And I would say allow them to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what it feels like to be a pastor until you have worked around a church right. or, you know. So as many um, on-the-job experiences as they can have, um, number one, it helps that work ethic, um, mm-hmm. and it dispels some of the mystery of just having a job, and they mm-hmm. understand it is a job. Right. Um, you know, there are people who become teachers and then two years in, they're like, well, this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. And then they're gone. Right. So I would just say as much um, experiences as you can provide, whether that's a class or a sport or a you know, a learning experience, and then also a variety of job experiences. And here's kind of a random question, but I have. Parents, we want that relationship, parents and educators, to be on the same team. So when when do you feel like there would be a necessary situation where the parent would need to confront a teacher about a situation? And how would what would be the best way from an educator standpoint of how that confrontation should be handled? I would say if you see a pattern of of concern, um, you know, whether it's a repeated behavior or the child continues to not do well in, a, in an academic subject, you've reached out, you know, sort of, it's kind of progressive, start out with maybe a written communication, email, what have you, and approach it like you're on a fact-finding mission. You're trying to figure out what is the issue, is my, you know, is my perspective correct, am I seeing the whole story? 
Um, but then um, there's nothing better than face-to-face or mm-hmm. at least on the phone where you can hear the teacher's voice because we all know how written communication can come across. Yeah. And your children, your child is a very sensitive subject to you. Yeah. Um, you you want to hear um, the teacher's voice to get her um, take on how things are. Um, I had that conversation with one of our teachers just yesterday. She said that was her advice to a new teacher was, Pick up the phone, call the parent, let them hear your voice. Um, And so the same would be true for a parent. Um, There's no faster way to get to the bottom of something than either a phone call or face-to-face. That's good. Very good. Betsy, thanks so much for taking the time today. Uh, You're a very busy woman, I know, (laughs) running a school and running around, keeping everyone in check. I hope the whole thing hasn't fallen apart while she's been in here. I don't know. They're right across the parking lot Yeah, I had to turn my phone off, so I don't know. (laughs) That is quite all right. They're pretty great. They're self-sufficient. Well, we appreciate your input and everything that you do, um, reaching kids and ministering to families through your school. And I know a lot of families have been blessed by that. Hey, thanks for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ, we have all that we need for this journey. Peace out.